my host, my host, my host, even I, even I, the anointed one, I am here with my host, I've been sent, I've been sent for to bring you to son, for to bring you up to sonship, to bring you up to the realm of sonship, I've been sent, I've been sent for to bring you to son, to bring you to son, to bring you to son, for to go to son, son, for it is the realm of sons, for it is the realm of sons, even my host are sons, but they are a cater of sons, they are a cater of sons, and I, I am the only begotten son, that many will be begotten after my other, 
Father. So I've been sent. I have been sent. Even I was sent to come to destroy all the works of the enemy. For that is the way of becoming a son. Is that even in the days of your flesh, just like I did, you will destroy all the works of the enemy as I destroy the works. For it is in me and I've been sent. I've been sent for to come to Adon, Adonai on you. I've been sent to come to Adon, Adonai on you. I've been sent, I've been sent, even I, son, even I, son, sent the anointed, the anointed, I'm here, I am here, I am here, I am here, that you would journey up, you would journey up, you would journey up, you would journey up, that even as I was made better than all the angels by my inheritance that my father gave me, I have come in the power of my inheritance, I have come in the power of my inheritance, for it is yours to collect. It is yours to come into. That is why I have sent my ministering angels to minister unto you. For you are heirs with me. You are joint heirs with me. You are joint heirs with me. For this is the time where you will be ministering. You will be ministering. The ministering just uh, the sons of heaven will be ministering with you. They will be ministering with you. And their ministry is to change you from change to change. From glory to glory unto you can behold and come into my glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I, the Son, I have come to son you up. I have come to son you up. I have come to adorn you with my inheritance. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Father, my house. Take care of you.
It is your calling to land, for you have landed in a part of your calling. You have landed in one land of your calling. You have landed in one of the lands of your calling. For there is a journey to come to the land of your call, of your utmost call. There is yet a journey to come to the land of your call. For in the land that you are, I am yet calling you. I am yet calling you to come into my land, even to my own land, to my own land, to my land where I have prepared for you, where I have prepared for you. Then my land, my land, it is a land that is the lands of lands. It is the lands of lands. It is the journey. It is a journey that encompasses all journey that you may come to me. It is that land, that land, the land that I promised you, that I've promised you, even life eternal. It is a journey of journeys. It is journey to journey to journey until you come to me. Until you come to me. Come to your calling. Come. Keep calling. Keep calling. Keep fulfilling the call. And come into the land that I have ordained for you. For you are on the path to the land. You are on the path to the land. And I am with you every step of the way. I am with you every step of the way. For even in that land you would as you grow as you grow with the grace of the land you would become and inherit the statues of the land grow in the grace of the land and you would become the inheritors of the land the land will culture you it is a land will culture it will culture you it will lead you in the way and you would inherit the way of the land follow the way of the land and you will inherit the way of the land it is my calling it is my calling it is the part of my calling that you would come into the land I have ordained for you. It will culture you in the way. Stay in the way. Stay in the way. Stay in the course of each land. And as you overcome each land, you will inherit the land and you would come into me. Says the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, good evening to you. Please say good evening to someone. Praise Jesus. Where are the occupants of this place? Uh, 
those, is it those guys? Yeah? So first Peter, first of all. Thank you. Peter, are you there? Yes, Chapter 1. say amen. amen. Um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus. Praise God. Um, so, so this chapter is a summary, I think, of, I think my wife was pointing it out to me, was it yesterday, that this is a, first Peter is a summary of everything we've been learning so far. Praise God. Um, it seems like the Lord has given us a breakthrough into the, the thoughts of Peter, the book of Peter. Amen. Um, Peter has his own unique um, addition. There's a way you read his writing and it seems like he's just saying the same thing that Paul was saying. But um, there is uh, there is a unique addition, you know, that his own letters give to the epistles. Praise God! <clears throat> and so let's just read it. Read on. It says, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia." Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience 
and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, and grace unto you and, and peace be what? Multiplying. Praise Jesus. This is, there's something called sanctification of the spirit, right? And, and we know the sanctification of the spirit is unto obedience. That's what he's saying here. Unto two things, obedience and then what? Sprinkling of the blood. So but all these things happen in the, in the world of where or they happen in the, in the realm of the spirit, what we call realm of the spirit now, not in the former sense of the realm of the spirit, but the realm of the spirit is the realm of actual, the, is the realm where the soul carries out its life. That's what we call the realm of the spirit. Right? It's where the soul does what? Where the, where the life of the soul, you, where you can map out and see the, the life of the soul. You just, if you're able to move into the spirit, you see the soul living out its life. Praise God. So there is, there is a... There's a sanctification which the spirit is of the spirit is still of the Holy Ghost, but it's um, a sanctification which the spirit of God, the word sanctify means to, to cleanse, to make, to clean, to make holy, right? So it's the, the sanctification of the spirit is a kind of cleansing after the after the, the is after the nature of the spirit. It's a cleansing after the nature of the spirit. And the spirit is called Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. So it is what you call the sanctification. They call it the sanctification of the spirit is because it's is imparting a primary attribute of the spirit. That which the spirit has is holiness. Right? That's what the spirit has to give holiness. Because he is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It's all, the Bible calls him also the spirit of holiness. The spirit of holiness or the Holy Spirit. So, so it's very clear that the, the Holy Spirit or the spirit of holiness has his sanctification. It is actually a property of him. Praise Jesus. So, do you know that when we were reading Isaiah chapter 11, all those spirits, what they were showing you were are the sanctifications of the Holy Ghost. Right? They are the, they are the spirits of his sanctification. All those seven spirits. Yeah, they are the they are the spirit of of the sanctification. Praise God. So this sanctification of the spirit is unto obedience and then what? Sprinkling. This obedience here is a cause for the soul. It's just it's called obedience, right? 
This is the thing that Paul found out grace and apostleship for. Right? In Romans chapter 1, right? Grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Glory to God. So, unto that thing called obedience, and the, he calls it the sprinkling of the blood. You can, it's very clear that this thing called the sprinkling of the blood is for the, is for the highest holiness. It's, it's, this how they, that's how they impart. It's more than just sanctification of the spirit. It is when you get to the sprinkling of blood, you go through sanctification of the spirit, it brings you into this core season of obedience. All right? And we know that the real point of obedience is, is obeying the truth. That is the real task of obedience for every soul. For most of us, our obedience is waiting for us in front. It's the, the obediences we are doing is to help us to get to, to that actual... There's something we were meant to obey. You understand? Praise God. That's the that's school. It's the world of obedience. So, and that obedience is for... To arrive at sprinkling, the sprinkling is the impartation of the highest holiness, or is the is the dividend of the holiest of all. Praise the is the, what they call the, the the sprinkling of the blood. Here is the ministry of the blood. The sprinkling of the blood is the ministry of the blood of sprinkling, mentioned in the book of Hebrews, chapter ten which you have come unto, the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than what? Than the blood of Abel. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when you hear blood of sprinkling, or sprinkling of the blood, he's talking about, it's, it's most holy. They want to, when they want to impart to you the most holy. You know, they want to impart everything to you. They can impart to you sanctification. When they are imparting sanctification to you, they are giving you the sanctuary. Take Sanctuary as your inheritance. Have it. They can give you the sanctuary. Glory is God. So the sanctification of the spirit is the giving of the sanctuary to a, to a soul. I take, have it. I have the sanctuary. I have it with all its furnishings, with all its gadgets, with all its, with everything in it. All the utensils, take it. Have them as yours. Praise God. So if they can give the soul the sanctuary, that is, or, or giving the soul the holy place as, an, as a possession, possess the holy, it means telling you possess holiness in the spirit, the soul can have holiness, then it's very clear too, the soul can have the most holy. It's by, it's by obedience and sprinkling together is what brings possession of the most holy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise God. And then he's now saying grace and peace, of course, be multiplied. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a what? 
lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is, he has now begun, he's transitioning into the language um, of this, when he's speaking about lively hope. The language of his hope is, is speaking about a hope that you can never find his hope outside a certain path. There's a path. Is out, is this, this hope here is the hope that you find in the path of inheritance. That's the only path you can find this hope. Outside that path, you will never find this hope. Praise God. Do you, do you agree with me? This thing he's calling the lively hope here is, is, a, is a hope that is tied to resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a careful, it's a, it's a very specific thing. Do you know that before Jesus was raised from the dead, knowledge had been, has been given. When I say knowledge has been given, up until the point of getting to the cross, there's so much that Jesus has done in the flesh. And if they were to end the job there, there's a way that God can get it across to us. God could have still raised apostles after that. If let's say he didn't, he didn't raise, was raised from the dead, there could have been apostles of Jesus who would teach knowledge. You know, we don't really know. That thing they call the apostles' doctrine, you know, we don't really know it too much because it is, it is mixed into the, 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 knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, which we are learning. But there, it's more than just milk of the word. There are things in that doctrine <laughs> which Jesus taught to them. Praise God. And it's, and it's not everything that Jesus even did that he taught. Yes. Right? Although Jesus did some things. The former treatise I made to the old Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Jesus began to do and then to teach. Praise God. But it's not everything which he did that he taught. But everything that Jesus did was knowledge. Do you agree with me? He didn't, Jesus didn't do anything outside knowledge because it was, as it was said, Lord, I come in the volume. He came in volume according to written, to, to that which is written. That's how he came, right? Lord, I come, I just came in the volume of the book as it is written concerning me to do what thy will. Praise Jesus. So everything he did leading to the cross was knowledge and there's a way they could have found a way maybe to bring that knowledge to us, but without resurrection. And we will still be deep into knowledge. For say, and those, that knowledge will not be, it won't be fake knowledge. It won't be like the law. It will be knowledge of real things. Do you agree with me? You don't, you agree? Like what Paul was praying for. You know, he prayed for different things. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, there could have been the knowledge of the fellowship of his suffering, but without the power of his resurrection. Those are different things. Paul was able to calibrate them and talk about them differently. Do you understand? Mm. So that, that's the power of his resurrection. 
there's something about this about that thing, that power, that my may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the real thing Paul wanted to know. And the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to what? Unto his death. Praise Jesus. Say power of resurrection. So that thing, that thing hidden, embedded inside the power of his resurrection, that this power or his resurrection give birth to a hope called a lively hope. You will not find lively hope just in the knowledge of his fellowship of his sufferings. The lively hope is the product of his resurrection. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you agreeing with what I'm saying? Let's go back to, to 1 Peter. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had then begotten us again. So this again is born, begotten again. It's another begetting. Again, unto a lively hope by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this, this lively hope is a hope that was given birth to through by resurrection. It is actually the hope of resurrection. Praise God. What I call it is the hope, is the hope of resurrection. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, there is, well, the lively hope is the hope that is, tied, is tied to the, to the, to the living of Jesus. If I can put it that way. It's tied to the, because you know your baptism, you're buried with him in baptism unto death. That was one aspect of it, with him in baptism. But also there is a likeness of his resurrection, which you also ought to partake of, which you also ought to partake of as well. That hope of, of resurrection, your, your, you coming into the life which he had, is, is buried in the hope of his resurrection. It's, it's actually because he rose from the dead. That's the reason why you have hope. Of his life. There's a verse I'm trying to think about that even though as we have something, something, then he said, not that one, that we shall, as we shall be saved by his life. As we have been buried, oh, sorry, I forget, it's Romans, Romans chapter 5, yes. Romans 5 verse 10. So look at it. Say, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. The much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his, his life. They are separating two different things here. There's, he's talking about reconciliation by, by death. That death was a payment. We've paid it. The moment... That death occurred, your, the debt, D-E-B-T, was paid. Do you, do you see that? Yes, 
the debt, D-E-B-T, was paid. Any debt you owed has been paid. So therefore, by bringing a kind of reconciliation. Do you agree? So you no longer owe me. You no longer owe. You're no longer owing. But God didn't stop there. Are, are you understanding something here? So it means that salvation is not a dividend of the death of Jesus. It's a product of his living. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? When it says salvation, do you know that it's one thing to take away your sin, another thing to save you? They are not the same thing. They can move your sin and leave you without saving you. There are two different programs. What Jesus was accomplishing for us were two different things. A lot of times we think about one side, but there's another side entirely. We're reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. Say much more. Much more. So it means that this other side is much more. So it means that which, where should you focus more? On the much more side. A lot of Christians know about Jesus died for me. Because of that, my sins are gone. They don't know too much about what his life meant to them. Him living. What, is, what did it mean? We know what he, we have a sense of what he, him dying meant. He paid for my sins. My debt I owed, I couldn't pay. He paid for it. We, that's the language you find among Christians. But how about him living? What did that do for you? What is the, the, what's the, the, your own dividend of his life? That's what he's talking about, salvation. Salvation is the product of resurrection. Resurrection, you can only find salvation in what? In, in resurrection. So the reason for reconciliation is for salvation. You are reconciled so that you can be what? You shall be saved by his life. To be saved by his life. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. So, this, um, this hope is, is the hope, the hope of, of salvation. This lively hope here, right, is the hope of resurrection or the hope of life. Right? Being begotten us again unto a lively hope by the word resurrection of, of Jesus Christ from what? From the dead. Glory to God. Verse 4. Unto something. Unto an inheritance. Do you see that? Is unto what? An inheritance. Say inheritance. inheritance. So you, you know that dealing with your sin has nothing to do with inheritance by itself. They can deal with your sin, pay for it, remove. They can even remove all your sins. It doesn't mean they are, it doesn't have anything to do with them giving you something or you inheriting something. Praise God. This is a Peter. What I see Peter bringing is he's bringing a higher consciousness. You know, there's an area that Paul really dealt with. You see that, that thing of reconciliation. Right? That reconciliation is, 
how to make end of sins. How to make end of sins. All those dealing with sin is in the wisdom of sacrifice. See, everything that has to do with the death of Jesus, everything that has to do with his death, right? That was where the, all the wisdoms and powers of reconciliation, they are inside that place. And it's also in the mystery of the fellowship of his sufferings. That's where you find the answer to sins. There. Not, and that place is not a trivial thing, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a miraculous, divinely miraculous um, provision, right? Which is how to, what kind of offering do you bring for sin? Only God could give that kind of offering. Man was lost, nothing. Right? Because that sin, sin is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a magnet that was crafted by a cherub that, that it adheres to soul. It's like it sticks to so you can't you don't know how to, to dissolve the the adhesive force of sin to the soul because of what a cherub has done. He has weaved it. He took God, God's design. God said, Okay, I have an offering. I have a sac- a kind of a sacrifice that can when that thing that thing is offered, sin dissolves. Right? It's, a re- it's a reagent that can make sin to dissolve. From the soul. Praise God. Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. You know, you don't, in through God's, the offering that God gave is not war, it's not battle. To deal with sin is not fight. It's like a, it's a chemical that you apply. Just, you know how you drop chemicals on something, those loud people. You just drop it, it will just be doing its work. To be doing the work. After a while, you see all the sin has been dissolved from the soul. That's how they will, they will deal with your sin. Do you realize that? You just, need, you just need application of the sacrifice and the blood of the sacrifice. If that can be applied to your soul, you will see sin will be dealt with. Sin will just be dissolved out of the soul. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. But that one is, that's one thing. But in that same provision, say provision, what is the provision? It's a man. Just a, it's a man that God gave, right? Just a man. It's a package they give to humanity. Take this man. Everything you have is inside him. Are you getting me? So inside that man, you have both the dealing, of, dealing with sin, removal of sins and death, but you then also have the, what do you call it, dividends of his life. Spoils. You know, God is not, when God gives you a gift, it's not one sided. It's full. There's nothing left. When you finish the gift, there's nothing left to, ha- left to have. That's how God, God does it. When God wants to bless you, like God, you no, know, Jesus is a blessing to man. God, God blessed us with his son, blessed us with Jesus. You can't finish Jesus and want something else. Because inside Jesus, even things you didn't know you, you ever needed, things that your soul doesn't know. You know, your soul has deep desires and wants, and, you know, it has all kinds of pockets that are crying out to be filled. But well, God knows those things, and God has put a, 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 a package in the song. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise Jesus. So, this, 
inheritance. You see, he calls it an inheritance that is incorruptible, and there's what? Undefiled, and that does what? That fadeth not away, and then what? Reserved in where? Heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be what? Revealed in where? The last time. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. So, where, they are, where are they keeping you? If you are, if you are kept if you are kept, first of all, by the power of God, that's the first thing. Then secondly, through faith, all right? Number one, when you say power of God, you know what power of God is. Power of God is Christ. Right? So you can say, who are kept by Christ through faith unto salvation. Uh-huh. So you... So that kept, they are kept for, for something. Yes. It's kept for a season. There's a season called the last time. Right? So Christ is the, is the kind of preservation. Christ cannot preserve you eternally. He can't preserve you for eternity. But Christ can preserve your soul for the last, till the last time. Do you see that? Praise God. And then the last time is, is, the, is the season of verse 4. You see that, this in, that inheritance, right? Incorruptible, undefiled, and that fitness not away. This, you see all those things they mentioned there in verse 4. Those things only come to the soul in the last time. Right? There's a, what I mean by that is that these are last things. Their last things. Um, a soul that is that hasn't gone too far will not get to this place. Yeah. You can't touch these things because these things are actually reserved for the last time. They are reserved for the, not time in terms of well, you're talking of the time of the soul. Every soul has a lifetime, right? Your, your soul has a lifetime. Um, and that lifetime of the soul must be complete. It will be complete. Some people don't finish their lifetime. They leave the, the earth without finishing their lifetime, the lifetime of their souls, right? Because just the, the rising and the falling of the sun is not enough to cause count of time in the soul. The sun that controls time in the natural is not powerful enough to cause soul to tick. The ticking of the time of the soul, the sun doesn't have the power to do that. There are sons in the spirit. S-U-Ns. Who have nature. Son nature. Spiritual son nature. is nature that have the, the ability to cause the, the time of soul to tick. They have, they have the ability to, to make the soul Move in its timing. Praise God. <laughs> Do you agree with me? Yes, sir. 
But there's, there's one son that your soul should be ticking to. One son is called the son of righteousness. There will be a time when the son of righteousness will arise with the healing in his wings. Right? That healing in his wings is that the, the, when he, his, his relationship with his soul is healing. It's not every son that heals. Sons, wrong sons, they scorch, they dry up, right? They smite. Are you getting me? Or that son that is not ordained by God for the soul will do what? It will scorch, it will smite. Right? So the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. That's the book of Psalm chapter 91. Why, what makes that to happen? It's because you have done what? You found a dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, and you are abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You know that under the shadow of the Almighty, there's a sun there. But but it's a shadow from every other kind of ray or sun that wants to reach you. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So the sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. You see, that evil sun that destroys, that evil sun that, that smites, that one, God can remove the soul from under that sun. And he will bring another sun. It's called the sun of righteousness that heals. The healing son. <laughs> Praise you. you know that's the, how the, that's the Lord, our Lord. Our Lord is a what? Is a son that does what? I, I, I wish earth can have that kind of son. Our own son. I, 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 will, I, want to, I want to believe that the son wasn't like this when the earth was created. I don't think the son was smiting the earth. <laughs> when... Right from Genesis, you know, that, that Eden place doesn't look like that this kind of sun will be, you know what I mean? You know what, you're on that sun, you'll be wondering, am I safe? <laughs> that kind of thing, I don't think Eden, Eden was a different place. I, I believe maybe, maybe the sun probably had a different face at the beginning. It's very possible that the sun I just had a different... When you look at the sun, it has a different face. But it's possible that because of sin, because of the curse, do you understand? It means like, and it's, it's, to me, I, I can prove, prove it to you from the Bible that the sun now is not the same as before. Because when he, he said, cause is the ground for your sake, he said, tons and thistles will it bring forward to you. Now, what brings forth thousands and thistles is this sun. To me, it means the sun must have changed. So, what the sun, when it reacts with the ground, to you know, is the sun that feeds the plants. The sun is actually what discharges energy, the food for, for the, the plants of the earth. That, the things that grow is the sun that gives them their food. So, it's the sun that determines how they grow, what grows out, what will bring forth. Do you understand? Yes, After a while, in Genesis 3, because of the cause, it said, Thorns also and thistles shall the eat bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb thereof. So it means the sun must have changed its face to make th- to undirected rays that can cause thorns to. <laughs> Have you ever tried to clear a farm before? 
What you plant will not grow easily. It's the other things that will grow. The other things grow faster than what you actually planted. Have you tried to take care of your lawn before? Have you, have you dealt with weeds before? Very terrible something. Eh? They don't need food. They don't need water. They don't need... They just... As long as the sun is shining, what will happen? They will be coming of their own accord. It means that... Right? It means that the sun has a wicked face yeah. now on the earth. And I don't think this is the it way it was before. Praise God. But thank God for the, we're speaking about the soul now. Yes. Thank God for the son of righteousness, which heals. It's possible that this physical son was a healer before. Maybe when God created it, because that's the order, right? But, so, but this... Son of righteousness, to you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with what? Healing where? In his wings. And then you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the storm. Praise God. So, so this son, so you now see that this son will make you to go forth and to grow up. For it's a soul that is going forth and growing up is a soul that is fulfilling his lifetime properly, right? His, his lifetime is what? Being fulfilled properly. Why? Because of it's ticking according to a right son. The son, right, son of righteousness is, is the right son for the soul of man. Glory to Jesus. So this son of righteousness will actually bring the soul to end time. Do you agree with me? It will bring the soul to what? It will bring the soul to, or what you call the last time. Mm-hmm. So on that season of the last time of the soul is when they want to, they want to install certain properties. Right? The last time of the soul is the finishing time. When they want to, they want to cement the soul into an estate that it will carry into eternity. When I say eternity now, I mean which it will hold eternally. Right? You know, everybody will have an eternal estate. There will be no soul without an eternal estate. Some souls will have an estate in the, in the lake of fire, which is eternal. It's an eternal fire. Right? It's not just, it's not even everlasting. It's an eternal fire. And some souls will purchase an estate for themselves in that place. And when you check such souls, they will know that they have inherited an eternity, an eternal posture that they can never break out from. Do you understand what I mean? Praise God. So this last time, the thing what they want to give to the soul in the last time is inheritance. This is what God wants to give to us. And this inheritance is, the, is actually the end of the lively hope. What the, the hope wants to deliver, right? That lively hope in verse 3 was spoken about in verse 3. Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does what? Fade not away. Praise God. So... These things are, you have to remember these things, okay? Don't let these things shift from your gaze as a Christian. Just put them there. 
Don't ever let them shift. Praise God. Always remember, what is my hope? Ask yourself, my hope. Check when, check when your, your, your hope radar is shifting to something else. Bring it back. And my hope should be lively. I should have a lively hope. Shift it back to the lively hope. When, most of the time, when your hope radar moves from, there are two things your, 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 radar, your radar, inward radar should be fixed on. Your hope and inheritance. You see, you see that hope and what? And unto a lively hope, to an inheritance. Unto a lively hope, to an inheritance. Glory to God. When you are shifting from those things, what tilts you away is when you move out of the spirit. Praise God. When you do what? When you move, check it. When you, when you are no longer in the spirit, you start seeing another hope. You, you start striving for a, 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 a lesser inheritance. You understand? Out, when you, when you move from the spirit, that was the prayer of Ephesians 1 that Paul began to pray for them. He was actually praying for God to move them into the spirit. Even though they had faith and love, but this thing about hope and inheritance, they hadn't settled in them. So he began to awaken and call for this spirit of holiness, right? That it will give unto them the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. Praise God that they might know first the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You see, then go further. What else did he say? What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand. So this, everything Peter is speaking about, which we just saw, that's what Paul began to pray for them for. Are you seeing that? He's praying for them about, so it's the same thing. Go, let's go back again. So all the, the dividends of that you may know, uh-huh, the riches of the glorious inheritance, comma, uh-huh, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. So you see, all this exceeding greatness of his power towards us according to the working of his mighty power. So you see, exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So everything he asked, beginning from the um, knowing the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and then the exceeding greatness of his power. You see all those three things he asked for. They are all according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So it means that these are dividends of resurrection. Are you seeing, are you seeing that? They are all what? Dividends. Exactly what Peter was saying in First Peter chapter 1. Begotten us, begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and on the fire that word faded not away. Glory to God. So in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul was praying for the spirit of these things. 
Like I told you before, he wasn't praying for wisdom and on, on understanding or revelation. He was praying the spirit of them. In the word, knowledge of him. There's a difference between knowledge and knowledge of him. That is the, the thing. You can't, nobody can access knowledge of him without these spirits, these spirits that teach him. So when you say, when you call it the knowledge of him, it's not just knowledge. All, all this knowledge can be, there can be a school of knowledge around these things that can be used by the soul in different manners. But it won't be used to get him. It will not be used for him. The uniqueness of this spirit is, is there's a way that the spirits, when they are able to gain, like I was teaching about, when they gain their rest in a soul, for the purpose of pulling, it's actually, it's to pull. So this knowledge here is a pull towards him. The way that these spirits will teach the knowledge, the way that they will culture the knowledge inside the, inside the person, it will result in a pool. It's not, it's not every way of learning knowledge that will give you a pool. There are some things they can teach you from Bible to pull you towards the world. There are some things that they can teach you in Bible, scriptural. It will, it will define another, you'll just be seeing another hope entirely, differently from this hope that we are speaking about. It can begin to show you another inheritance. Entirely. There are, there are things you can learn about separation, sanctification, consecration that can paint a hope in this world for you. This knowledge ground is a, is a, dead, is a scary place. It's actually a very, very... It's a, it's a place of care where you have to be careful. You have to be careful with it because knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is actually very powerful. When a person knows something... When a person knows, when you see a knowledge in a person, that person becomes a slave of whosoever, of the spirit that crafted the knowledge which they accepted. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And spirits enslave men by knowledge. By knowledge. Do you understand what I'm saying? Knowledge can be crafted wrongly and given to the soul. What makes knowledge wrong? When the knowledge can have the wrong spirit around it, right? It's the, the spirit that, that, that raise and develop the knowledge within the soul, right? You now find that when that knowledge is operating as stature, that stature will be, giving, be making tangent, pull towards... There's a, you ask about there's an inward GPS which the spirit installed in the knowledge that will begin to navigate the soul towards something. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> Every revelation that we we'll teach for salvation of your soul can be taught for any different reason. You can teach this revelation. The same revelation that can save souls can be used to build giant ministry. The same revelation. 
it can be used to save souls. It can be used to build big ministry. Do you get? They're not the same. And spirits that want to build big ministry can use that knowledge. When that spirit teaches the knowledge, those who it receive it will become ministry machines. Do you get what I'm saying? But if it's taught by these spirits, which are spirits of lordship, right? When, they are, when it sits in the soul, it, what it will, the pool of that soul will be different. That soul will be pulled into the spirit. It will be pulled into the world of inheritance. Are you getting me? So that's what this was Paul. So when Paul was praying about this thing, he knew exactly what he was praying for. God, Paul was, was, he had gone far. Paul had been in this crossroad before. They had been exalted beyond measure by the abundance of revelation. They were sent to me a messenger of Satan, a thorn in my flesh, messenger of Satan. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in my So you see, revelation was in abundance. But those revelations had their own pool. See, that exaltation above measure is the kind of pool that, that that revelation was trying to take him on a different journey. Are you getting me? But there was, God had mercy on him. There was given to him a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to do what? To buffet me, lest I should be exalted above what? Above measure. Do you see that? Then verse 8. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And then he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might do what? Might rest upon me. Are you seeing this power of Christ? This, so that the real thing which the revelation should tangent into, so that this will, it will occur. That thing he was praying for, power of his resurrection, worship of his suffering, all of those things. Maybe that was his prayer. Then revelations began to come. You understand what I mean? So, and it's very clear that Paul's journey in Revelation was a bit messy because he was at this kind of crossroads. You understand? It was a, I'm sure at this point they were teaching him the discipline of Revelation. It's not easy for the soul to learn to, learn to master. It's, it's a very deep thing. If a soul has too much lost, you will be gone in this place. By the time the, the door of revelation begins to open, it can take a soul away. Some souls will lose their love for God completely. They will love other things. They can sacrifice their brethren. They can do all kinds of manner of things. Yes. Yes. Are you seeing this thing called exalt, above measure? Revelation is not, revelation. 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 You can have revelation that is bigger than you. 
after a while, because it's bigger than you, it will start leading you, start driving you. You start doing things that you won't even do. It will, it will explode the world of your righteous judgment and take it over. Do you understand what I mean? When it's not subject to a kind of a, a governing spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in word. In my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient for you. I said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in, in what? In weakness. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you see where Paul's prayers are coming from. They're coming from experiences. He knows what he's praying for. When he's praying for the spirit, he will give you the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened may know. You may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in where his sense and so on and so forth. Praise God. Let's go back to First Peter. <coughs> Amen. <clears throat> you know they are giving you strength. You don't know, but they are giving you strength. You might not be able to detect the kind of strength they are giving you. It's a strength of weakness, like Paul was, was, was speaking about. When that strength is coming, you will not know that this is a time of strength. It won't feel like strength is coming to you. It's because of what things they are giving strength for. Right, when when they are trying to impart a strength to you for an invisible hope and an invisible inheritance, how do you think the strength will feel like strength? The way you normally feel strong for natural things, actually, it, it manifests as weakness. You will become, you will just be feeling weakness concerning. Especially the things of the earth, things of natural things, thing, normal things of life. You will just be feeling weakness concerning those things. There, there can be manifestation of weakness around you when it comes to this season of strength. But you need to have a kind of discernment. Even Paul, they had to help him. He kept praying three times. It means that he, he couldn't understand the dealing. He couldn't interpret it that strength was coming to him. He didn't know that strength was coming to him. He had to pray three times until the Lord spoke to him. Say, relax, 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 relax. Relax. My grace is sufficient. I'm bringing grace to you. Right. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made what? Perfect. Praise God. In weakness. So what I'm saying is that they are giving strength to you. What strength? They are giving strength to you for inheritance. That strength might not manifest now. Is when... Later on, when season of such inheritance is coming, the difference between those who have the strength and those who have, who not have it not will show. Because, in that, because that will be a season of battle. Right? And the Bible says that if your strength fails in the time of what? That's when you know that your strength is what? It's little. 
Glory to God. The strength that has been imparted to you is not, it's not a strength that your brother and sisters can easily see. It might not manifest in the fact that you can now pray for five hours or some of those things that you know, your brother can. Wow, you are, you, are, you are hot these days. What's, what's, <laughs> oh, you're, you're even, even hot, you know that kind of thing. You like that kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying that you won't be hot, okay? <laughs> you have to be careful when talking to bread, really. You really have all kinds of character and behavior. Some guys can stop praying and say, no, this is not a time. It's not a season of strength. It's just, <laughs> you have to subject to a weakness program, right? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> well, uh, well you, you understand what I mean? What I mean is that this strength is, is, is strength for something something we less naturally and physically tangible, but way, way more spiritually tangible. So your strength towards it will manifest differently in the soul. It might not be as outwardly palpable as the way you feel. You know how you feel spiritually strong sometimes? It might not be that. It's like an inward tenacity. It's something, it's like an inward, you know. You know how it manifests that when others are fainting, failing, giving excuse, giving reason, getting offended, get all kinds of things will begin to happen. You will just be finding something in you. You will just be, you will be getting more joyful, more, satis- more satisfied, more assured, more enriched. Because that, as we saw in, when we were in the Old Testament, you saw that pathway of inheritance, the dicey realm. You meet all kinds of nature, all kinds of creatures, different kinds of things in that place. And that the reason why God decided to take them through the route, like he was saying when they came out of Egypt, lest they will see war and what wrong. So let's design the, the way of, of, of inheritance, the journey of inheritance for them. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. To an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does what? Faded. So you see these things, incorruptible, undefiled, faded not away. These are classes of things that are reserved in heaven for you. Praise God. And these things will be revealed when your soul is able to arrive at the, that last time. But you have to be careful on, on how, to, how to get to this last time where you are ready for these things to be added to you. Let's see verse 6. It says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold what? Temptations. This is talking about now, not last time. This is now. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. It's for a season. 
So in this season of now, right, if need be, I love the word if need be, means they will check your soul. Does this soul need a heaviness through manifold temptation? Right? They will now check, they will check the soul. They say, what fold of temptation? What folds of temptation do we need to subject the, this soul to? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> the way you, you, want to, you want to picture manifold temptation, just picture Israelites in the wilderness. That's, just, that's the picture. See, manifold, many things were. Right? The land was tempting them, the air was tempting them, everything was tempting them. Their own mind, everything. Imagination was tempting them. That was a wilderness. So, <laughs> praise God. So, where in. He greatly rejoiced. He said, though now for a season, if need be, and there will be need. <laughs> yes, you can't arrange yourself against this thing. You know, you know that's the way we are. We feel like, hey, this, this temptation, before it comes, I will just pack it myself. I will know how. Praise God. After you package it, you don't realize that the real thing is not, not even, you didn't even see it at all. You need to ar- arrange different things. In heaviness, through manifold temptations. I, I, love, I love this language. You see, they call it temptation. I love, I love these guys, the way they write. You know that you feel that you say, you know, once talk about suffering, you feel that you just say suffering. To, to get to your inheritance, you have to suffer first. No, I, I love the way they, they wrote it as temptations. It means that the things that will happen to you will tempt you. The things that you will find on the path will tempt you. What would they tempt you? What would they tempt you to? What would they try to produce in you? The same thing that it produced in the Israelites. It's called an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's a temptation. An evil heart of unbelief. What is an evil heart of unbelief? It's to, for you to create offense against faith. Right? Because you know that once you offend faith, once you offend faith you, and you close your eyes and you open your eyes, you wake up in another world. Hey. Offending faith moves you away. Just, it shifts you outside the, the realm and the cause of inheritance. The same way some of those guys, the ground just open and swallow them. You're not, you're not worthy of this, this wilderness company. So the ground just open. Up. <laughs> they were here after a while. They, means they were deleted from the land, of, from the cause of inheritance. Do you understand? <laughs> because to, that, to stand in the wilderness and following Moses is a, it's a privilege. It's not like 
Do you understand what I mean? They, they were crying more, but they don't understand what kind of a privilege it was to suffer in the wilderness. Those, those sufferings, those things they had to endure was a privilege, a great privilege. But once they, they crossed that threshold of unbelief in departing from the living God, just began, their, their carcasses fell, right? In, in the wilderness. Praise God. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God is through faith. It's through faith. Through faith. Unto, it means you will be in faith until you get to salvation. Through faith unto salvation. Verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold what? temptations. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the what? Appearing of Jesus. I think all these words here Peter is using. This is the the skill, the wisdom, the import of Peter. Peter was able to carry conversation purely in the land of inheritance. Pure. He was able to maintain conversation in the world of inheritance. That was the gift of Peter's world. You just, it's, just, it's, like it's shifting you into another world. And it's beginning to talk about the same thing Paul spoke about. But Paul, Paul was very knowledge-oriented. Right? It doesn't mean that they wasn't talking spirit. It was also talking spirit, but the way of speech of Paul was a bit different. It was very when you read Paul, you have to in a way be able you can Paul is someone you can access Paul from different standpoints. You understand? Peter is hard to read if you're not looking for something. Peter is no excitement. Have you ever read Peter and be excited too much before? You don't, you, there are some little things that will give you excitement. We are a chosen generation, man, or, 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 a few things like that. But the reason why you're actually excited is because you're not really thinking too much about the things. You know what it means for them to choose your generation? They choose you. You are a chosen generation. Hey, you should be afraid. Hey, <laughs> The, the weight of that phrase. You are a royal priesthood. <laughs> those, are not, those are not dancing, rejoicing things, right? Those are weighty things, right? Praise God. So, so you're seeing what he's saying here. This verse seven. This is the trial. He's speaking of the trial of your faith. Ah, I love this trial of your faith. Being much more precious than of gold that perishes. When you say trial of your faith, think about your soul. Trying of faith of your soul. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto what praise and honor. And glory, what are they appearing? So you see this thing that he, he calls appearing here is key. Appearance does not happen in the realm of knowledge. 
appearance happens in the spirit. In fact, appearance is the proof that your knowledge is correct. If your knowledge is faulty, it's, it's the knowledge that was by a, a different spirit. If there's a compromise to the integrity of your knowledge formation, you will wait and wait and wait. Appearance will not occur. It won't produce appearance. Do you understand what I'm saying? This thing called appearing here is the validation of journey or is the validation of faith is the validation of the of the of the of your sojourn in the spirit appearance is the validation of spirit life spirit living do you understand me this thing called say appearing Appearing. And for every soul who maintains their cause in the spirit, who walks after the spirit, not after the flesh, who is diligent with their faith program, their faith walk, who is able to maintain their sojourn in the land of grace, and you keep going on and moving in that place, one day what will happen? Appearing. Appearing will happen. There will, want, well, there will be a time when we will start gisting in appearance. Amen. Amen. No, you can't fake that. You can't fake that realm, eh? One guy who have, who have seen appearance are talking. Someone who has the knowledge can quote be quoting scripture. It will appear a second time, but <laughs> and the guys who have seen appearance, they might not. Scripture might not even be involved. And they are talking. It's just they will just be gisting about the nature of, of he who appeared who has appeared to them, talking about his characteristic, his holinesses, all the things about him. You know, you know what I mean? When you are in that language, might not include this chapter, this verse, this, this one, tying romance with Hebrew and adding this one and all, all. Why somebody else who doesn't know anything about that appearance might be might be in that world quoting such things. But these guys have seen something. They've seen, seen something else. Yeah. Yes. So follow peace with all men and the holiness without which God. See that holiness without which no man. Follow peace with all men and holiness. So you see this holiness without which. This holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Say holiness. 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 You can have knowledge without holiness. 
holiness. Because, you see this holiness, when you say holiness, holiness is always according to exact standard. It's according to exact standard. Be ye holy. As what? The holiness is pursuing a standard. The holiness of a soul is holiness, the journey of holiness is soul pursuing soul. It's a soul. Do you understand what I mean? It's not just like you are knowing things. It's, it's actually the it's the quest. Holiness is the quest of a soul. It's an inward quest of a soul. It's pursuing the the soul of the Lord. Right? There's a there's a realm, a world where that kind of you can have that kind of meditation. Is this quickened by the spirit of holiness or the Holy Spirit? The spirit of sanctification. That the pool of that spirit is to, to draw you into a journey of what? Of say holiness. holiness. Or they call it here sanctification of the spirit. Sanctification of the spirit. Praise Jesus. So you may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and what? Full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the what? Salvation of your souls. Having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, yet believing. I love that, yet believing. Means at this point you are, you are in the journey, you are in, you are in believing. You have entered faith, you have been journeying in faith. And you are, you, are, you, are, you are pressing to see. But when you, you've seen him not, whom have you not seen, but yet you love? Whom have you not seen? You know this love here is the love before appearing. It's the love that will actually call forth appearing. Right? You've not yet, he hasn't yet appeared, but you love so it means that this believing is a journey that will end. You will not fight while you will not be a, be a lover, a fierce lover. But it's, it's loving without seeing. You understand that? Say love. love. Loving. loving without seeing. Yes. Do you see all this language, these words that Peter is using? Yeah, they are, they are words of Inheritance. They are words of the spirit. You don't find lovers in the realm of knowledge. Those who are in the world of knowledge, those who, lovers use their own knowledge to cross over. They use their own, they use the knowledge as a, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're crossing over. Because knowledge is, it puffs up. Love edifies. Mm-hmm. 
there are two different things puffs up. And it wants to puff you up be above measure, beyond measure. <laughs> but love is, there's different between being puffed up. Edification is also rising. Do you all realize that? I want to say, to edify means to build you up. So knowledge puffs up, love builds up. It's both up, up. Do you understand? So it's not every upward tangent that is all right. Check, man. When you are, something is taking you up, always check. <laughs> you understand? Don't be too carried away by your altitude. After a while, you start speaking. So I'm, I'm just speaking from the height right now. The height. Talking from. <laughs> check that height you are talking from. Is it a, is it a puff or an edifice? I, you understand? You know, both of them can sound alike. The one, amen. You see two guys talking at a, at a height. One of them is standing on the story building that has been built. The other one is on the hot air balloon. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can tell their end, right? So, so don't be puffed up. Be built up. Yes, <laughs> Some of say, well, this knowledge, knowledge thing, they are not for me. I'm not even a knowledge person to start with. So this is their own. This is their own something. This is for those guys that like revelation, not me. <laughs> Listen. All you revelation people, every time, every time, revelation, revelation. Don't be puffed up, man. Praise Jesus. Whether you like knowledge will increase. Mm-hmm. Knowledge will what? Increase. Knowledge will increase. The worst, the person who doesn't even involve themselves in the task of knowing at all, that's the worst, those ones. That's like the worst state. Do you understand? It's like remaining inside Egypt when they were all living. <laughs> You guys, bye-bye you. Whatever you guys see in that place. This, this killer you are following into the wilderness. God help you. This murderer that, you know. We know what he did now when he killed that, this angry man. You know, that, that was Moses, you know what I mean? Just quickly finished the guy and buried him. Very quick something. As if nothing happened. What kind of nature is that?
<laughs> Praise God. So what I'm preaching about now, knowledge puffing up, deciding not to know is not the answer. <laughs> that one is worse. These are some of the guys who decide that, no, I'm, I'm not, not this deep knowledge, they're not for me, all these things. Some of them will be antichrists. See, see, wait, wait. So when Antichrist, the season of Antichrist, when one will flood the air with Antichrist, do you think they will go to the to, to the pub and the drunk and the the brothels and the dance clubs and to look for people? It's church now. Church is breeding them. Right, one of the characteristics of that Second Thessalonian man of sin, see, they received not the love of the truth. They received not the love of the truth. Okay, with all this, okay, in them that perish, you see that. So he's talking about those who this man of sin will, will be able to be brought to bear upon. Right, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not what the love of the truth that they might be saved. You know, this thing called love of the truth is higher. Before you even receive love of the truth, you must have knowledge of the truth. You must first, the first thing is being a disciple of truth. All right. If you, what was Jesus saying? That my words will abide in you. Sorry. If you continue in my word, my word, then are you my disciple, you see? If you continue where? In my, my word. That was, that was the first thing. Anybody who refused Jesus' word at that time, do you understand? They refused his word at that time. Their end wasn't very good. But he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my, my disciples. And then you shall what? Know the truth. That's the first thing. So they didn't even know the truth, but they first continue in the word. Are you seeing attitude? Anything word, don't play with anything word that comes from God. If you check your attitude towards season of the word. At this point, he was speaking to men who they didn't have Holy Ghost, they didn't have anything like that, but he had an expectation, continue in my word. Continue in my word. Even though they were not baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, it wasn't revelation to them. The way you hear it, it's not the way they were hearing it. They were just hearing a guy talking, stories. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know how you have the spirit moving inside? Wow, what a deep, profound. You understand? But these guys were not experiencing such things, but just dry, just, I won't call it dry, but. 
You know what I mean? A rabbi talking to them. He said, but he expected them to continue in it. Continue it. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then, then there will be a season that will come when you wouldn't know the truth. It will be a season of knowledge. But you will not come to a season of knowing the truth if you've not had this first test of continuing in my word. It means that at the point where you, are, you, are, you will be continuing in the word, you will not yet know the truth. But you, he said you will continue in the word as a proof of your disciple status. You want, I must check that you are actually a disciple. And I will know is that you are able to continue in what the world. This thing that he's that speaking about here plays out even in the life of Christians today. Sometimes before they open the door of truth to you, they want to test you. Can you be a disciple? Right? A disciple is someone who continues in, in the word. Just continue in the word. Continue in the word. Continue in the word. Continue. Oh, I'm not getting it. I'm not. Continue. Christianity is not first getting it. It's first many faith. Power of, of nature, attitude of a disciple is somebody who is not, he doesn't know too much of what's going on. That was the power of this, those 12. And when you see those 12, their name are eternally written. When you check the city, there's nothing you ever do that can make your name written in that place. Even Paul's name is not written there. Do you get what I'm saying? Those 12, that will tell you where God, the honor that God gives to what they did. Without the Holy Spirit, without any of all those things. And the whole nation was against them. The, the scribes, the high priests, the religious elite of the day. Those who should be able to come and say, no, this is God, this is devil. Those ones, they, are against, they, they, have, they say this one, he does it by the power of Beelzebub. It's actually, a, there's an evil spirit in him. They have already blasted Jesus. They said, look, this guy, you are following a guy who what, is possessed with demons. <laughs> are you understanding me? When they call, they call them... They call them the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Those, what the apostle, that word 12 apostle, is not necessarily apostles of Christ and God, no. The apostle something. The apostle discipleship. Do you understand that? And that thing is what, is what all of God's deeds on the earth will ride on. The apostle, can, can you follow my son all the days of his sojourn in the ministry on the earth? It's not, it wasn't easy to do that. To follow Jesus, it's not an easy thing, no. There's a way you think about it, you'll be there dreaming, ah, if I was there, ah! I went. It's, you, you know, if it was so easy to be there, why were they only 12? Why were they, uh, do you understand? They can be seen many, thousands. When push comes to solve, they will shrink to 12 again. Mean other guys will disappear. Praise Jesus. 
Say, continue in my word. It's a test. Every soul must pass through this test of continuing. Even those who, maybe you'll be like, wow, me, I didn't have this season of just continuing the word, or I just, the moment I heard the word of righteousness, door of revelation just opened to me. You know, since that day, you know, I just, things just happen, you know, I'm just hearing everything. But just wait. <laughs> there will be a time when you just have to continue in the word. You just have to. Where some things that felt like everything made sense to you might seem like they don't really make too much sense anymore. It's a time to test your, your nature. Are you a disciple or not? Not everybody's a disciple. What this discipling nature must be tested in souls. Sometimes God will shut down and remo- he will remove glory around the world and everything that makes it sweet and nice to people. He will just close it for a little bit and say, so let's just give them some dry season. You know, different things happen in wilderness. You know, different wilderness times can be interesting. They just give them very dry time. Let's test. Let's see. Are they disciples? Do you get what I'm saying? It's to try the souls. But if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. When they have established you as a disciple, truth is for disciples. Say, bind up the testimony. Seal it where? Among who? The disciples. You seal the testimony among the disciples. This thing called truth is the property of those who have, who have proven that they are disciples. So you will know the truth. That's knowledge of the truth. But that's not, knowledge of the truth is not the end. You must follow knowledge of the truth with love of the truth. If you, when you know the truth, you are not free yet. You are not free until you've loved the truth. What the truth, the truth you know wants to make you free. But you can hold the truth, but you have not yet gained the freedom of the truth. When you become as free as a bird in the truth world is when you've loved it. When, you, when, you know, when you've loved the truth, it means that you, don't, you no longer have inhibitions towards the truth. You understand what I mean? You don't, you're not tense anymore with the truth. You're not, um, I don't, I don't know if this was scared. You're not, you're not struggling with your hold of the truth. You're, you have, you've, begun, you've gained flow with the truth. You've gained a rest with the truth, then you are free. At that point, you now say the truth has made you free. This is those. So those who have been made free by the truth are those who receive what we call the love, what the love of the truth. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So there will be a season when you've not seen what you have to love. This is before the, what we call this appearance. You've not seen him. Though now you see him not, yet believing 
you rejoice with joy unspeakable and what? Full of glory. Verse 9, receiving what? The end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should do what? Come to you. Praise God. Now, let's go see verse 9 and then verse 10. I'm sorry, we're just, we can just go verse by verse. Is it okay? Um, receiving the end, because the entire message is here. This thing that Peter is saying. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So, the end, remember, through faith. You, faith is a, is a passage that you pass through that takes you to an end. It has an end. The end of faith is the salvation of what? Of your soul. Now, of which salvation? Of that salvation of your soul? Some people prophesied. The prophets, they inquired concerning it and they searched diligently concerning that thing. Those who prophesied, so those who prophesied, they are prophets of this salvation. Right? Said of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of what? The grace that should do what? Okay, now. So if they are prophesying of salvation, but it's really the content of the prophecy was a grace that should come to you. Do you see that? So, when we think of salvation, you have to now begin to look at what is the meat, what is the actual content, what is the, what are the, the, the matter, as you are journeying in salvation, you want to get to the end. What is it that actually shifts you? You know, there's what we call the soul can shift as you are ticking, the ticking towards the end. What ticks the soul? What moves the soul towards its end? That which is responsible for movement of the soul, the energy of, of transportation of the soul is the content of the prophecy of salvation. So they were prophesying of the grace that should come to you. Praise Jesus. The grace that should what? Grace that should come to you. So you now see then that this, the world of this inheritance, right? The world of journey of inheritance is a world of graces. Do you understand? Graces. It's just, when you say, ah, I'm going towards inheritance, what do you mean? Graces are coming to me. It is the 
apprehension of graces is the finding of graces. It's like a, it's a sojourn, right? You must, that thing called finding grace. It's finding grace to help. Find grace to help. Finding grace. You are, you are, you are searching. You know that, you know prophecy is not just giving. It's not like, hey, they've prophesied it to now, let's go and sleep. It will come to pass. If it's a prophecy, ha, be ready. Be ready for what, sir? It's war. Once you hear that, it's prophecy. It's not time. Ah, they prophesied it to come to pass. It's not that. Just it is what? Like Paul was saying to Timothy. What did he say? That by the book of the prophecies that was, that you might use because of them war a what? A good warfare. It means prophecy is for warfare. Why? Because every time they prophesy, do you know the kind of beings who they awaken, prophecy awakens? Agent of what? <laughs> you know, prophecy speaks of a destiny. So they are agents against destiny. But they come into action once prophecy lands. This charge I commit unto the son Timothy, 1 Timothy 1 verse 18, according to the prophecies which, were, which went before on thee. They've, they've, they've gone before. Right? Even before you came, things have been prophesied concerning you. They've gone before on the prophecies. But you see, that thou by them might test what? War. Say good warfare. Hey, I love this kind of language. You should war a good warfare, sir. Amma. When it comes to this, this thing of inheriting, it's about warfare. You must make up your mind. I will war a good warfare. Praise Jesus. So they prophesied of the grace that should what come to you, but that grace, you see, the, that grace coming, that grace coming, the grace coming will come by exploration in the land of inheritance, in the wall of inheritance. It is actually the, the, what people who are in that place, what they are skilled at, their vocation is finding grace. Do you understand? They, they, they know how. What they are trained in doing, what they, have, they gain mastery at, is how to find grace. Do you understand me? Quickly, verse 11, searching what or what manner, so those prophets still, what, you see, they, they search what, that's the first thing. You know, these this guys, their search wasn't ordinary, it was, it detailed something, eh? They inquired, they didn't stop at inquiry. Then they searched diligently after inquiry. <laughs> so the, the search was diligent. 
And what were they searching for? They knew when it comes to prophecy, the prophecy has, there are things about prophecy, two key things about prophecy. is what and what manner of time. You understand? What and what manner of time. That was what these guys were searching for. Those are two key things about prophecy that you must know. You must know what. And you must know what manner of time. Right? Now, of course, this, this prophecy is prophecy about what should come to you. Grace that should come to your soul for salvation. Do you understand? Now, but of this salvation... They were searching, what is the salvation? They wanted to know. And then they now check, what is the manner of the time of the salvation, which we've talked about already. We know that that thing called last time or end time. That is the time. That time has a manner. There are things that characterize the season. Why, why would they search? Why would they want to search what manner of time? It's a prophetic nature. Because you can track what if you know what manner of time. Because once, you be, once things begin to align in the manner of that time, you begin to anticipate this thing is at hand. It's about this season for this thing to come. These are spiritual intelligences that you, need, you need to have as well. Like the sons of Issachar that discern the time. Right? Times, not seasons and all of that. He's talking about discerning of soul time. Some souls are oblivious to time. It's a bad trait. It's a foolishness. When you are oblivious to time, when you are oblivious to time, you start misbehaving in a, in a precious time. Because you don't understand prophecy, it's good to it's good to study prophecy. So that nature of studying prophecy is very is actually very good. It's not every prophecy that prophecy to start with. It's not everything that someone says. Don't say the Lord and they start talking. Not everything is prophecy. Real prophecy are not that many, right? I mean, real prophecy prophecy that aligns with the program of God for the souls of men. Right? There are not that many. They, and they, they come in key times, in key seasons, key times. Prophecy that can touch and interpret God's plan for the souls. Amen. Amen. And prophecies, when you are aware of prophecy, in terms of what, what manner of time, you become more circumspect and you become wiser in your times and your dealing. Like this period right now on the earth, it's not, it's not easy to recreate something like this. It's not easy, do you know that? You might think, wow, things will always be like this. No. No. 
It will not always be like this. <laughs> Different move there. Right now, there are people who want to, hey, if they can go, bring back word of faith season again. No matter on any prayer you pray, you can never be. All you can do is read about it in books, listen to it in the few messages you have. And all those things don't even capture everything that were entailed in that season. It doesn't capture everything. The kind of those who were raised under, thank God we've read that the Hagen, we read his books. You know, you listen to his message and he has impacted you. You can never be like somebody who went through that move when it was on the earth. Do you understand? You can never be. The way, the way faith will sit in you is not the way to be inside them. The way, you understand? Because it wasn't just reading book alone. It wasn't. It was a season on there. It was a. It was some. Do you understand what I mean? It was a dispensation that God gave to to such people, such men. Do you understand me? In these these times that we are seeing on the earth, you can't recreate this kind of time. Even God might, will find a way for posterity's sake to, of course, he will increase the message, he will preserve the message. But it's not, it's going to be different. It's not going to be this exact kind of what? Of time and this exact kind of season. Do you understand me? Uh-huh. Now, you are a product of the time which you live. You are, there's something about you you and this time. Right? If the, if the, if the, they charted your course and raised you for such a time as this, to have a date and encounter with these dealings of God at this time, you cannot press pause and postpone and then carry yourself to the future. You don't know what, do you understand what I mean? It's, sometimes it's lack of understanding of what soul is that makes you do things like, you feel like, you, you, the way, you know the way you feel today, you know how you feel? Jesus, I love you, power, everything. When you're a fool, you would think that you can preserve that thing and bring it next year. And then... Then the, the word will pause for you. You know those kind of things. It means you are very. You don't know anything about. Think about how you were three years ago. Can you go and be like that? Try. Can you? It's gone, man. Forever, 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 forever. That's why, as it's, when you're spiritual, you learn how to be, don't be, too, be conscious about things. Maybe, maybe the Lord brings someone to you now. You have a time. You have you have roommates. You have you are, you are enjoying each other. Don't you have that forever. You will not. 
You just have it for a short time, very short time. Before you know, that season will just go like this. That's the end. For the rest of your life, it will be a story. And you can never change that story. Whatever you did with that time, those who are in your life right now, those who, where your life is positioned, you don't understand, you are not just a, a body of matter walking on the earth. You have God has ordained your times. There is a sovereign spirit. You are born again. Means that there is a cut out of God's spirit inside you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You have, then they now fill you with the Holy Ghost on the earth. You're not just a body of matter moving around. They are the powers charting your cause, interfering with the seasons of your life, navigating you, bringing people into your life, taking some out, arranging things. You think it's just, can you manage, your, can you manage such a thing? That's God's own, that's God's stuff. There is a meekness with which you approach life. When, you are, when God brings someone, don't come on nice people. Don't come on nice things. Don't, don't. Appreciate every moment, every day. Cherish it. Try to drink everything. Finish, finish every moment. Do you understand what I mean? Because you, it's not in your hand, the times. Right? Was it Ecclesiastes? You know, he was talking about those things. You know, Solomon that's talking about those things. Seasons. To everything. There's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. Praise God. So when it comes to... I'm very sure about that one. When it comes to encountering God at certain depth, at certain point, God has season of encounter for the soul and it's not in your hand. You, you can't postpone such things. When you miss it, you miss out. Do you understand? When you, when you do what? When you miss it. I, I, you know, the, the worst thing for you to miss out of is Is something that you miss out by your decision. That one is that's the that one is <laughs> because of because that one it means that when you it means that it means that it means that you literally fought God and won. Right? That's because that's the only thing that wins God, your will. God will do everything, he will orchestrate everything around you. God can do all those ones. People that will come into your life, your friends. How do you even end up in this city? You know, how, you know all those things. Why? How? God can orchestrate many things. That sovereign hand of God. But at the end, God will now jam your will. And most of the time, that's the for a lot of people, that might be the final bus stop. Because God can't do anything about that one. God has given it to you. You are like, man, you can stop God. Yeah, he's the creator of the universe. Yeah, you can, well, you can stop him by his design. He made it such that when it comes to your you choosing, he, he's giving you the ability not to choose him. Do you understand? And he respects that. That's God for you. Sometimes, you know, when you are rebellious, you will feel like, let me say no. Let me, let me what will happen? We heaven fall. 
You're waiting. You know that foolishness. You feel like you feel like when you are in rebellion, you are tempting God. Maybe you are tempting His goodness. You feel like God is too good. Maybe because He's too good, He will force me. You don't know who God is. You're, you're, in fact, that kind of attitude means that you are a profane fellow. God, God doesn't even want to, for you to be playing that kind of game with God. God doesn't like such things. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Peter is bringing to us that this thing that he's speaking concerning is telling you the, the kind of man. These were diligent men. Right? What manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them this signifies. Sorry, the previous verse. Um, which salvation the prophets have inquired and then was this salvation that's coming to you they inquired and said diligently concerning it. Who prophesied of the grace that should come to you? Praise God. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the word sufferings of Christ and the word and glory that should follow. You know, the worst kind, uh, you know, I said the worst kind of something that you miss out of is what you miss out on by your will, your, your decision. Wow. There's another subcategory of it. <laughs> the worst of the worst is the one that you reject because of how you feel. Do you understand? That is the worst reason ever to ever lose anything. You know, you don't remember how you feel, how it feels. You know, sometimes, how does that thing feel? It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like, you know, it still can be foolish. When you read salvation in the Bible, you now look at, so you mean us sitting down like this? Is this the salvation that they are talking about? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a way you feel you think salvation will look like. Maybe... All of us will gather, we have chair. It will be in the cloud. It will be here. It will be. <laughs> Praise God. They say, we are, we are inviting you all now to the school of salvation. It will, it will take place in any country of the earth. It will take place in the heavens. Then the cloud will just come that will all enter it, into it. And you now, you now see angels. They are wings, everybody. They will now tell you, look at that section. Those are all the cloud of witnesses. They will show you. Jonah. This is Jonah. This is the one who made the sun, soul stand, the sun stand still. This is the, they will show you all of them. Look on this other side. These are the New Testament people. You, you now see Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> you see that kind of thing? <laughs> You'll be like, hey, Yes. Yeah, then you feel like, yes, that is, yes. And when you go there, and announce, you now say, this salvation, eh, hey, hey, this is the kind of arena of salvation. It, should, it feels glorious. <laughs> Praise God. God. This is how God operates. When God wants to send salvation to you, 
he will make sure that you have every chance to disdain the vessel, to disdain how it's packaged, to commonize it. He will make sure that it is in such a way that it will war against every faculty in your mind to believe. The way they did Jesus, born with animals. There was nothing, when you read this, we glamorize the story with lights and everything on Christmas Eve. It wasn't like that, man. There was dung and feces and all kinds of things in that place where they gave birth to that guy. <laughs> where he grew up. Say Nazareth. Nazareth. Hmm? If you were in Nazareth and they said this is the Messiah, you will not be encouraged at all to think that this one, this kind of person, when you look at the neighborhood alone, you'll be like, Kai, no, no way, no, no, no. God, God, I don't wish this for you. That your Messiah should grow. Are you understanding what I'm trying to I'm trying to help your heart to make you understand. Don't fear God. Fear God. So you see, souls, a lot of souls who fight season of salvation, Satan, is, is, he's bad. He can make the soul ignore the miraculous nature of the world and look at everything else. But God, the kind of, the kind of miracle God will perform in salvation is God said, I won't do any other thing. I won't beautify anything. I won't make anything else nice. The only thing I will beautify are the words, is the, are the tidings. How beautiful upon the mountain is the feet of them that what? That beauty is not physical beauty. What is the feet that's beautiful? Is the gospel. Having your foot shod with it. It's only gospel that's fine. And even to even see the beauty of that gospel, your normal eye should not see it. It will be beautiful in a kind of way that a carnal heart, a worldly mind, will not find as beauty. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Do you believe that they are saving souls right now? This time on the earth, souls are being saved. You better believe it is true. Don't wait for another season. There's nothing else again. Even if you say maybe there might be something else, you can't say that unless maybe you have journeyed to the end of what's being revealed now. Do you understand? So you can't stand by the side and assume there will be something else. (laughs) And then the the, the people who, who doubt what God is doing in this, at this time are those who are, who are playful around it. You get what I'm saying? Those who are playful around because because when you are playful around something, you won't be able to, they will hide it from you. You won't be able to see 
In fact, the side they will show you is the side that will discourage you, that will make you go away. They will show you, it's called the rock of offense. That's what Christ is, is the rock of offense. Once you check your heart, it's anyhow, he will just flip himself and start offending you. That's Christ. I'm telling you, this is just how Jesus is. This is how he is. Once you bring your heart anyhow around Jesus, he will just turn. He will start offending you. He will make sure he offends you and offends you until you shift away. When hearts who are correct come, he will, he will turn. He will become a he will become beautiful. The savour will change. He's called is a rock of offense. So a lot of time when you see somebody who is getting offended, you, you know what dimension of Christ has turned to them. The only thing you can, you can do is start, start praying for such people. Start praying. And it's not that you are praying to beg Jesus, stop being offended, stop offending them. He must pray for their heart to turn. You understand? The heart must, must turn and become right. There's a fear with which we approach God. You are approaching the, the maker of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The fact that he chooses to come in humble and manifest himself in humble means is to, is to tempt you to disdain him. Not to hallow him. To, is to tempt your heart. That's God for you. He wants to tempt you. Rubbish me. Make me, make me feel like nothing. That's how he wants. But because he wants, that's how he will know men who, who true. That's how he, will, he, that's how he can pick those who are worthy of him. It's those who, when he was, he was in prison, those who visited him. Those who, when he had no clothes, who clothed him. Like that good Samaritan story. It means that God can come down and be like a destitute before men to see who will clothe him, who will bear his shame. He will take his the glorious gospel that will save humanity. He will cover it with shame and come down to men to check who is willing to bear the shame of the gospel. He will make it shining. You know guys think that it will be something to shine with. Such guys, it will make it, it's sure it's not like that. It will be with shame. You will make this speech foolish. It will make it silly. That's God for you. That's God's nature. Praise God. I'm just, I guess we stuck, got stuck on that verse where it was talking about what and what manner of time. He said, you must discern it well. Let your mind change about this whole thing. Don't try to look, don't look into your flesh to validate God. You will never, your flesh's answer will never be correct. Will never be correct. You understand? There's a different kind of discernment you should, you should have. You discern in faith. Praise God. What was the, just the, the next verse, please? So we have to go. After that one. Sorry. First Peter. Searching what? Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. when testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves. But unto us did, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them which that have preached the word 
gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels what desire to look into. Verse 13, wherefore guide up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope toward the end for the word, grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what I've just been teaching you is that thing of that sobriety. Then you say what? Girding up the loins of your mind. Don't, don't let your mind be free, wandering. It's not every kind of thought that you take, you take and you entertain. Praise God. Your, the loins of your mind. Say mind. mind. No, you know, he didn't say heart there. He's just speaking about mind. Because minds can stop you. Right? There's a kind of sobriety you need in this season. There's, a, there's, a, there's an attitude of mind and of heart that does not cooperate with grace. Right? It's, not, it's not gracious. One of the main attitudes of mind that doesn't flow with grace is when you think too strictly, too tightly, too strictly. You see, the mind of scrutiny, where you want to scrutinize everything because a lot of times that scrutiny is not according to the spirit. Right? How you can tell in such a mind is it's strength of cerebral strength. What cerebral strength? You have the will, the power to think through anything and think through anything. There's some things that you want to start thinking about. Something will rise up. Your heart will say, hey, mind, stop there. Don't leave that thing. Don't think there. Leave that one alone. If the mind is stubborn, you say, no, this thing is not adding up. You want to think everything. You don't know that. That, that thing that wants to drive you to think is, is a plot that started a long time ago of how you will lose your faith. Is the plot to steal your faith. You understand? Praise Jesus. You get what I mean? It's to disarm you. Praise God. So he said you should guard up the loins of your what? Your mind. Let your heart, let the mind come under the government of the heart to make you, to bring about sobriety. Uh-huh. When you see a gracious, somebody who is gracious, they don't em- you will not employ your willful strength. That's the sign of gracious nature. You don't apply your willful strength to maybe break through things, to break through thoughts. You have the ability to live some things if your mind, if it's not giving answer to your mind. You just leave them, then move into your heart and check, is your heart okay? If the heart is fine, continue. That's a gracious nature. Do you understand? Because the word of grace is beyond the mind. The, grace, the gracious realm, it, it bamboozles the, think the, the right thinking, you know, normal reasoning. What normally should come first, grace can bring it last. Then grace can bring the last one to be first. It's to shift the order of, of man. God can do that. God willfully plays with men's order. It's because it is, it, it is thinking. There, there's nothing good about it. Do you understand? God he willfully does it. What maybe in a season of life, something should be happening in your life. God can say, no, let's pause it. Let it not happen. 
Say, no, but it's time for this, time for this. And God said, no, leave it. I want to shift you into grace. I want to break your, your alignment with natural order. I want to tamper with your arrangement. It's for his amusement. But his amusement is salvation. Say, God, no, but there must be a plan. Why? What's the plan? God said, no, it's just for my amusement. I like it like this. That's one thing that when I when I began to shift into this world, world of righteousness, I came from one deadly, wicked, fit, dogged kind of life. Everything must be planned out in the spirit. And the one that doesn't seem okay, I have to ask Holy Ghost why. What about this area? You know that kind of behavior. Then when you move into this realm, it's as if they begin to scatter things and shift things. I know one of my greatest my feeling then was that. When I begin to pray and begin to almost seek for an answer, I, I, in prayer, I meet an, almost like an unserious response, an unserious attitude. I begin to feel like God doesn't care about those things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That was the feeling, I, impression I, begin to, I began to get. When I go to pray with serious mind, my prayer ends with, I, I would just know that God is not really interested in talking about these things. That in other words, he, he is not serious about it the way I'm serious <laughs> about it. As I now began to learn to just relax, it's not that serious. There's nothing on this earth that's serious to God. See, you are the one. My school, my this, my husband, my wife, my rain, this one. They are not serious to God. God doesn't, they mean nothing to him. That's why today he can put it this way. Tomorrow he will change it. He said, no, I've changed everything now. You are not, you're no longer doing that anymore. You say, is my life a joke to you? Yeah. As long as it's your natural life, it's a joke to me. That's how God sees it. There are things he sees as serious. And to amplify the seriousness of what is serious, he can turn your life to a joke. Your natural life. That's God for you. Because if you, if you are not able to joke about your natural life. You will not take the, the inheritance seriously. Do you understand me? Praise God. So it's not every time you say, oh God, there's one grand plan for me to learn something. You will bring it back later. You might not even want to bring it back at all. You might, you might never be caring about it. And you say, hey, forget it. It's not important. God can do that. Don't tie God to anything, any outcome. It's bigger than any outcome. It's bigger than anything in the natural. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We give you glory, we give you praise. Thank you for blessing our hearts, for speaking to us today, Lord Jesus, for pouring out, you shared your, sharing your heart with us, things that matter to you. Help us to take these things and allow our heart to be open. I pray for everyone today to receive the right spirit of what has been said. And Holy Spirit, interpret the message, interpret the word, and make it crystal clear to us. And let it also come with so much grace and so much ability to pattern our lives according to all that you have revealed. Thank you, our Father. This realm of inheritance is open wide to us. Nothing will stop us by your mercy 
and by your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You